So good morning, church. My name is Tim Power, uh, and I'm the pastor of Modern Worship. I just want to welcome you and thank you for being here with us, worshiping with us. And I want to say again, it was mentioned earlier, but just to anybody who's a veteran here or family members of yours that are veterans, we just want to, can we give a hand clap for those folks that serve? So last week we started a new sermon series, and it's called Love Is. We're actually basing this sermon series on a really great book, and if you, wanna, if you, if you get anything out of what we're talking about today, or you got anything last week, um, this book is called Keep Your Love On, and it's, it's by a guy named Danny Silk. And you notice um, what is on the front of it, it's, it's kind of small from where you might be sitting, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a light bulb, right? Keep your love on. Did you know that love is something you make a choice about? It's something that you actually make a choice about. And how you are going to love is something that you choose. And here's a really cool thing that, that has been kind of um, bounced around in my head is, you know, the reason I feel like I can love the way that I love is because I was chosen by God. That, that might sound really cocky, but let me tell you something. You were chosen by God. You were chosen by a God that loves you so much that if you were the only person on the face of the earth, he would still send Jesus Christ to be a sacrifice for you so that you could be made right with God. It's an amazing thing to know that you've been chosen, that you are chosen, and nobody can take that away from you. I think it's, a, it's just a beautiful thing. And if you can wake up in the morning and think, oh, my goodness, I'm chosen by God, that's an amazing thought, isn't it? You know what? You guys are kind of a big deal. Why don't you say that to somebody next to you? You're kind of a big deal. God chose you. That is such a big deal. Okay, I'm going to read from this passage in Philippians 2. This is uh, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the Spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking the same way. Having the same love, being united, and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Adopt the attitude that was, was in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God, something to, be, something to exploit. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in, a fo in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly honored him and gave him a name above all names, so that at the, end, at, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone on earth, or in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, might bow and every tongue confess, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see what this scripture is telling us? It's, it's telling us, look at Jesus. Look what Jesus has done for you, how Jesus has loved you, how Jesus chose you, and, and choose to live differently in light of that. Let Jesus Christ be the light or the lens through which you see everything in your life. And that really changes things. You know, people are, are natural followers, right? Um, I've got three sons at home, and, and we, we had a day out yesterday, and, and we were at, at this park, and there, my kids were just doing stupid stuff. Like my older kids, my 11-year-old, my 8-year-old, 
if something could possibly cause permanent bodily damage, they'll, they're, they're drawn to it like a moth to the flame. And so that's how they were. They were just doing, hey, Dad, can I hang off this cliff? Dad, could I, you know, just, just the dumbest stuff. And guess what? The little ones started doing stupid stuff because we're just drawn to follow after what we're beholding. And we've talked about that in here before. We become what we behold. And what the scripture is telling us is if you want to have relationships, if you want your love uh, to stay uh, burning hot, look at Jesus. Just make Jesus the thing you are focusing your life on. The more you're beholding Jesus and his way of loving, his way of living, it's going to transform your relationships. Now, we're going to talk today a little bit about this idea of communication in our relationships. Because last year we were talking about this dichotomy between fear and love. And how in our relationships, if our relationships are more based upon fear, then it'll have a negative impact on our entire relationship. If our relationship is more based on love, and specifically love that is unconditional acceptance kind of love, which that's what Jesus gave you. You are unconditionally accepted by Jesus Christ. And if we don't have that kind of love, and instead our love is based upon fear, everything starts to fall apart. Now, we said this last time. One of the things is that when we are afraid, then, then something happens. When, the, when a fear of pain is high, the level of love is low. And last year, last week, I talked about rattlesnakes. Who really loves rattlesnakes here, right? A couple people, I guess. It's got to be a rebel in every crowd. So, so the idea is this. You know that rattlesnakes, even if you've never been bit by them, they, they have a reputation that they could cause you harm. So we just tend to automatically think rattlesnake bad, pain bad, level of love between you and rattlesnake probably pretty low. Am I right? And so people are different than rattlesnakes, but sometimes, you know, the same people who offer us love and promise unconditional love to us can be the same people that betray us, that hurt us, that just, you know, hurt us in in ways that we just don't know how to recover from. And so here's what we tend to do as human beings is that when we feel pain, we start treating everybody with those rattlesnake tendencies, right? Because when people deal with rattlesnakes, what do they use? They use like uh, tongs and guns and cages. They want to keep people at bay. We start using rattlesnake tools because we're so afraid of letting ourselves get hurt again. And the whole idea of choosing to be the kind of person who's going to put your love on even though you have this fear of hurt, this fear of rejection. Now, what I wanted to talk a little bit about today is how that idea of fear versus love enters into our communication styles. Did you know that you have a style of communication? Everyone does. Everyone has a way we go about how we talk to people in our lives, uh, specifically the people that we're in relationships with. We have a communication style. Now, we can have a communication style, again, that is based upon love and unconditional acceptance, or it can be based on fear. We could change how we talk to the people around us because we're afraid of what they'll do to us. Um, ha- there's a lot of people that act like this. You know, have you ever been afraid to really be yourself around somebody? Have you ever had, like, felt like, I can't really let them know who I am because that's dangerous. It, I, I might get hurt. Well, so I, I was in scouting when I was a kid, and uh, I remember joining a new troop. And I went on a, uh, a week-long trip uh, 
uh, to a scouting camp, and one of the things we did was we did like a four-hour horse ride, and I was with kids. I had I'd never really known these kids before. I knew the kid behind me, his name was Mike, um, and so I didn't know a lot of names here. I didn't know everybody, but uh, I knew his name was Mike, um, and Mike didn't really know my name, but Mike, he's a brave guy. He decided to just do a shot in the dark because he was behind me, and he's like, hey, John, could you speed up? And I was like, who's John? Apparently, I was John. And he was so bold in that. And I knew his name was Mike. I, I found myself saying this, okay, Mike. <laughs> so for four hours, I was John. And I got along with Mike really well. Mike had a new best friend named John, and it was me. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. I guess, I, I guess I'm just John in this troop. <laughs> So, so we get back after the, the whole day when we've, we've been talking. He keeps calling me John. I just keep responding. Uh -huh, thanks, Mike. <clears throat> and so we get back, and then somebody else who did know my name in the troop, one of the troop leaders, came up and goes, hey, Tim, it's time, your turn to do dishes tonight. And I'm just standing next to Mike, just horrified. And so it, um, Mike goes, who's Tim? I was like, I am. He's like, but you're John. See, I was afraid to be who I really was in front of him. And I don't know, what, I, what, what was that fear? I guess I, I just worried of what he would say. Then I worried about him having hurt feelings. But the whole thing was based upon a fear, and it ended in disaster. I, I didn't hang out with Mike much after that. Did you, did you know that? So we can have these communication styles that are based upon love or those based on fear. First thing I want to do is sometimes it's easier to understand our mistakes than it is to see the light of God's truth. So what I want to do is uh, in this book, Keep Your Love On, Danny Silk talks about three communication styles that are based on fear. There's the passive, the aggressive, and then the passive-aggressive. And I'm just going to want to go through these really quickly. And you can, you, can, you can probably go through these quickly and think, huh, that's my spouse. No. Think about yourself first. I did have somebody after this last service go, well, what's the name of that book? And then I said, oh, it's Keep Your Love On. He goes, my wife needs that really bad. <laughs> so uh, the passive style, passive communicators have this core belief, you matter, but I don't. So when there's any hint of conflict or disagreement, the passive person will say, you know what, your, your opinion matters. Um, you decide. Some of the hallmark phrases of a passive person are, oh, whatever you want. Or, no, that's okay. No, that didn't hurt. I'm, I'm fine. I know you were, just, you were just upset. No, I don't need to talk about this anymore. I'm good. No, I, I don't care where we go. Wherever you want is fine. I'm fine. No, actually, I'm great. You ever met a passive person? So the, the passive people often think they're being nice because they're being agreeable. But what they're really doing is they're lying to you. They're saying that they have no wants and no needs, but, but they do because everyone does. It's a fear-based thing. They're worried that if they share their wants and needs with you, you might reject them, and therefore they go into their passive mode. The problem with this is you can't stay passive your whole life. Eventually, the bitterness starts to fill up. Eventually, you say, I got to get out of here. I can't take this anymore. And a lot of times, they'll just decide to choose to leave the relationship. And this is any relationship. I want to make clear, I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about any friendships. You're going to have people that are passive. And what they're really 
they, they might be saying I have no needs, but what they're really saying is I'm afraid that you won't love me if you know my needs. The second group are uh, called the aggressive communicators. This is still a fear-based system, but the aggressive communicators are like the T-Rexes of communication. They are the biggest, loudest, scariest people in the room. All right, I, I'll bet somebody's getting nudged right now. Their core belief is this, I matter and you don't. They get what they want because they're the loudest and because of the scariest, and they figure out how they can be manipulative and how they can be aggressive. Now, if, if communication styles were some kind of food chain, your T-Rexes would be way up here, and then your passive would be like the goat way down here, cowering in fear. But you know what's a weird dynamic that happens a lot? Is that a lot of the times, T-Rexes end up in relationships with goats. What a pair, right? Now, here's why. is because the T-Rexes and the goat both believe in the same thing, that the T-Rex is the only thing that really matters. They agree on that. And so they seem to kind of have this thing, but it's still based on fear. One is based on fear that if I don't control you, that's the aggressive, then, then I can never get my needs fulfilled. The other is that if I, don't, if I tell you my needs, then, then you're going to reject me because I'm afraid of what you'll do. The third of these is the passive-aggressive person. Now, the, the passive-aggressive person's core belief is this. You know what? You really matter. Oh, wait. No, you don't. That's their general take on it. Now, see, a, pass, a passive-aggressive person gives off this great first impression that they seem like a really nice person, a really agreeable person, until you first get into your first conflict or disagreement, and then that person smiles, quietly walks outside, and keys your car. That's the passive-aggressive person. But see, all of these kinds of communication, they all have the same thing in common. They have a fear-based mentality of what, what a relationship is like. There's not room in these relationships for two strong people, okay? Either I'm strong and you're weak, or I'll be weak so that you can be strong, so if these are the fear-based communication styles that we want to avoid, then what is the love-based style? I want us to think about this. What is the kind of style of communicating that's in keeping with God's unconditional love for us? Because that's what we want. We want to have the Jesus style of love in our relationships. We want to be led by the example of Jesus. Well, in Ephesians 4.15, it says this. Instead, by speaking the truth with love... Let's grow in every way into Christ. I'm going to say that again. Instead, by speaking the truth with love. Do you hear that? Truth with love. It's not passive. It doesn't hold back on the truth, right? It's also not aggressive. See, that with love means I care about you. Your needs count. Danny Silk, in, in his book, Keep Your Love On, calls this communication style the assertive communication style. The core belief of the, of the assertive style says this, you matter and so do I. My thoughts, my feelings, my needs matter, but so do yours. See, assertive communicators know that there can be two powerful people in every relationship. In fact, they insist that truth and love are co-equal in those, those relationships. See, an assertive communicator uh, would respond to a passive person with this, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I hate it when my wife says this. 
my wife will, will, will have a conversation. I'll be talking about a, a conflict that I'm having, and I, I'm complaining, 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 and, and saying, oh, I just can't believe this person. I just And then she'll say, oh, that's tough. Well, what are you going to do about it? And I, my response is usually, I'd like to complain a little bit more. <laughs> I find that constructive. But no, she's not allowing me to stay in that passive place. She's saying, well, what are you going to do about it? How, how are you going to change? Now, an assertive person might respond to an aggressive person like this. I can only talk, I can only talk with you when you decide to be respectful. See, that's truth in love. I can only talk to you about this when you decide to be respectful. They would also respond to a passive-aggressive person with something like this. We can talk about this later when you choose to be responsible and tell me what's going on. See, all of these, all of these answers are truth in love. It's not one or the other. It's not saying I'm, I'm going to forego this so that I can be loving or I'm just going to speak truth and just be angry about it. No, it's, it's saying this is truth in love. What can, what can I do to speak truth in love? Now, listen, I find these tools to be really interesting, very, very useful uh, in, in my own communicating with, with the people around me, the friends that are in my life, and, and with, with my spouse. <clears throat> but you know what? The most powerful way I think that we can combat this fear that holds us back in our relationships is not just to know who we are. That's important. It's important for you to know your heart, to know your wants, your own needs, and, and be able to communicate that lovingly with truth and love however maybe even more importantly than who you are is whose you are whose you are you are a chosen child of god i said that earlier but i I don't think that sinks in so quickly close your eyes for a second i want you to hear this you are a chosen child of god You are so important to God that even though we all make mistakes, we all fall short, God chose to send Jesus to make things right by his death and his resurrection so that we can have a loving relationship with the Father. You are a big deal. Okay, you can open your eyes up. Um, I... I shared this last week, but this is just something that keeps just, just going around in my head, just keeps bouncing around as, as a prayer that I need to think about it, or, or, or a line I need to just keep in front of me. Like we talked about earlier, you, you become what you're beholding, and, um, and, and so y- you can choose a lot of things to put in front of your face every day. But this is a, a, a line that I keep on going over and over. It's this line, God unconditionally accepts you. And he relentlessly pursues you. Remember we said that the the foundation of every relationship needs to be unconditional acceptance. It needs to be, I accept who you are. And then the second is this, that he relentlessly pursues you. Now you might even be in a place where it's hard for you to believe, but I'm telling you, God relentlessly pursues you. And uh, I think a great way to do this is to make a little prayer out of this. God unconditionally accepts me, and he relentlessly pursues me. What if you made that your prayer every single day? When you got up, wouldn't, wouldn't that make fear just run away? Because that's perfect love right there, and, and perfect love casts out fear. God unconditionally accepts me, and he relentlessly pursues me. You know, 
what would it actually look like if somebody could live like this? If they could live not by fear, but by love. I want to share a story with you. Um, this, this is a, a short story, and I just want to read it because I'm going to get some, I'm going to make mistakes on my facts. But I want to, I, it's a powerful story about somebody who chose love over fear. This is a story uh, about a, a, a Christian young lady named Rachel Saint. Rachel was born in 1914 in Pennsylvania. She was the only daughter of, among eight children. Her father was a stained glass artist, and her family often had very little food growing up. When Rachel was 18, a kind, wealthy, elderly woman took her on a trip to Europe and offered to make Rachel her heiress if she would become her companion. While Rachel considered and uh, contemplated it, she knew that she couldn't accept an offer of, comfort, of a comfortable life, sipping tea and conversing. I don't know if I'd make that same choice. <laughs> After 12 years working at Halfway House for Alcoholics, Rachel in enrolled in a linguistic school to become a missionary with Wycliffe Bible Translators in South America. She spent several years working with the Sherpa, in, uh, the, sorry, the uh, Shepra Indians of Peru. But ultimately, she knew that she was called to the Warani Indians of Ecuador. They were notorious for spearing to death any outsider's immediately upon contact. Now, doesn't that make your fear sensors go up just a little bit, if you're honest? Eventually, Rachel was introduced to a, a Warani woman named Dayamu. She agreed to teach Rachel uh, the language of the people. For years, Rachel studied the language and witnessed to Dayamu with G about Jesus Christ as she waited patiently for the opportunity to go to the Warani without being killed. Rachel's own brother, Nate, who was a pilot for a Mission Aviation Fellowship, had been killed by the Warani when they attacked him and four other missionaries. The only sh uh, this actually only sharpened Rachel's desire to tell these people about the love of Christ. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? After years, Rachel finally went to meet and live with the Warani people. She lived with them for 20 years. Keep in mind, these are the people that killed her own brother. Over time, their culture of revenge and murder was transformed by hearing what they called God's carvings. Those were the words of the scripture. The Warani people became her family. They gave Rachel the name Nimu. In Warani, that means star. Rachel eventually translated the New Testament into their language, and she is today buried with her people in Ecuador. At her funeral, a Warani friend said, she called us her brothers. She called them her brothers. She told us how to believe. She's in heaven, and God's building a house for all of us. And that's where we'll all see Nemo again. What if she had not chosen love? What if she had chosen fear? And, I, you know, would any of us blamed her at that moment for choosing fear? No. But do you see what a difference choosing love makes? You would see what a difference just being intentional about saying, no, I'm going to choose that Jesus love that says that even if that means I'm giving up my life. I've got nothing to be afraid of. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm kind of a big deal. Not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. I'm going to invite our band back up. If you would, just pray with me now. Oh, Lord God, we want to choose love. We want to choose love over fear. We want to choose to be a people who would even be, Lord God, brave in the same way that Rachel was, 
to choose love over revenge. Lord God, I just pray that you would be with us. Make us a people that know that we're chosen, that we know that we're special, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We thank you for your gift, Lord God, of salvation. God, help it to become the, the center point of our life. Help it to become the center point of all of our relationships, that we live out of that Jesus kind of love, that we are always seen through people in the world itself through the light of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Oh, Lord God, we just, we, we just say transform our hearts, Lord God. Lord God, help us to know that we are unconditionally accepted by you and that we are relentlessly pursued by you. And we We love you, Lord God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform our hearts, that, that, that we would see love more than we see fear. We pray this in your holy name.